You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Oz Network as we continue on our coverage of Nip Tuck. We are moving now, of course, into the fourth season, rapidly approaching the halfway point of this show as we now move into the second episode of the said season, of course, the full season. This one is called Blue Monday. Not the song, it's the episode of Nip Tuck. First aired on the 12th of September 2006. It was written by Lynn Green and Richard Levine and directed by Michael M. Robin. And it's an interesting episode. Uh, looking forward to talking about it today. My name is Ben and I pay you to keep it simple. More ass and less mouth unless it's sucking on me hard. And I'm Nick, and uh, there's no pro bono for boning a pro. <laughs> I hear that a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, this is another episode with plenty of good quotes to choose from, but uh, yeah, I like this episode. Again, it's another good episode. I mean, I'm just not going to start on my season four rant about how good this season is, but um, you know, this is a, another solid, enjoyable episode, I feel. Yeah, it's uh, it's solid is, is probably a good word for it. It's... Um, um, yeah, it's anything that's got strippers in it's going to be good, right? <laughs> well, it depends. I mean, striptease was kind of crap, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> you know, Showgirls, uh, Magic Mike, uh, <laughs> maybe, uh, depends. Um, but yeah, nip tuck wise, yes, I'd agree with you. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, I always, uh, you know, enjoy uh, this episode as I kind of keep saying about how much about this season in general. But, um, you know, setting up a few things and kind of moving forward with a lot of stuff to go with. And uh, Matt comes back into the fray, which is kind of nice. Our bestie, John Hensley. So, um, you know, we can obviously uh, go over a little bit of that. But, uh, yeah, we uh, and it's any good episode does, I guess, kind of as you just mentioning there. We start off in a uh, strip club and um, we've got the bubbly blue Monday. Here she is who, I mean, look, I've only ever been to a strip club once in my life, Nick. And I'm going to be honest with you, I wasn't that impressed. I kind of didn't stay for very long and left. Um, and... <laughs> They kind of all sort of look like Blue Monday. I mean, they're not unattractive, but to me, they're not overly attractive either that I'd want to put money on them and put it down their G-string. I mean, I don't know if your experiences at shearing sheds over there in New Zealand, but um, yeah, this is a random question to ask you off the bandwagon, isn't it? <laughs> well, if I've been to a strip club, um, uh, I, similar situation to you, I think. Um, I think I got dragged in there once on like, you know, 18th birthday or something like that i don't really know and yeah uh, uh, let's just say that the strip clubs in rotorua new zealand are, are nothing to to um to rave about do they smell as bad on the uh, inside as rotorua does on the outside or <laughs> uh, yeah i'm not sure if that's possible it's, it's a horrible thought <laughs> but uh christian's here wanting to uh just enjoy his time with his stripper and uh, basically it leads to um, him having sex with her because she finds out that he's a plastic surgeon, um, which, you know, I guess kind of is just general Christian, right? I mean, we haven't had this in a while, so uh, it's good to kind of have Christian back on the horse, so to speak. Um, or, I mean, she's kind of on him, so I guess she's on the horse. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> so we then have our um, first kind of... Well, our, our titular... Well, they're not our titular character, because Blue Monday is, but, I mean, you kind of feel that, like, these... And always and why. Yeah, well, <laughs> gotcha. Uh, more sort of, like, your main kind of focus in many ways. We have a an older gentleman and a younger man uh, who are here to kind of, um, you know, he's... 
basically saying, oh, I want you to fix up his face. Uh, he's essentially an older, wealthier gay man who is uh, paying a younger man to kind of, you know, be his thing, I guess. Gay for pay, essentially, as they say. Now I'm rhyming, have some hay. Uh, what's that thing in Happy Gilmore? I just may go have some clay. <laughs> anyway. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just completely randomly reminded me of that. Um, but I, I love this, like, older guy, like, talking about his perfect cheekbones. Um, and then he's, like, trying to flirt with Christian. Oh, I don't play for your team. Um, and he was, like, a sculpture model or something like that. Oh, did you see the um, the sculpture? Was it in, like, I don't even remember whereabouts in Florida he says it is. Um, but, yeah, so, like, this guy basically is just, you know gay for pay because he gets a Porsche and all this sort of free stuff, um, which, you know, it's an interesting sort of thing to do. I, I mean, I'll be honest with you, Nick, I couldn't do it. <laughs> not that any older rich gay man would want to pay for me, but um, I'm not going to ask you if you want. I don't know why I'm asking you such personal questions at the beginning of this episode. Yeah, I feel, I feel like you need me to save you at this point, but uh, um, this, this, um, this gentleman, whatever his name is, um, it's a shame we don't get more of him because he's quite a funny character. I quite like yeah. the, the little bit we get with him here. And basically, this is it, isn't it? This is the this is the only bit of him we get in the entire episode. And yeah, he is quite funny. And he's he's kind of like a gay Mister Burns, isn't he? Like it's <laughs> I, I don't quite know who he is, but he kind of reminds me of somebody. I'm not really sure who it is, but um, yeah, it's um, it, it's a good little character, and it kind of sets up this. Uh, possibly meaningless little storyline in this episode. I mean, not that I dislike it, but I'm not really sure it goes anywhere. But um, maybe that's something to track as we as we go through this episode, anyway. Well, I think it kind of comes down to kind of what I said last week about how there's a bit of a you know a strong homoerotic vibe to this season that I think Ryan Murphy's just having a bit of fun with it uh, because you know he's obviously had the first episode where it's kind of comes down to oh, uh, Christian and Sean like. Maybe they are. Like, you know, maybe Christian's in love with Sean. So why not have a storyline the next week of, oh, maybe Christian might end up getting a blowjob from a sort of gay guy. Um, so I don't know. I just think they're kind of just having a bit of fun with it, maybe. Um, and yeah, I mean, you're right. It is kind of pointless. It's kind of not one of these ones that's going to tie much into Christian and kind of, you know, how he is and all that sort of stuff. But I guess in, in some sort of way, it's maybe like he wants a bit of a protege because, uh, you know, Matt's sort of seemingly once again going away from him. So, uh, maybe they're kind of trying to set something up like in some aspect. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of is sort of like a bit of a pointless thing, but. I don't know, there's just something kind of uniquely, you know, I I remember this storyline. I always kind of remember there's an episode like this, whereas, you know, we'll get into, like, late season five, early season six, and there'll be storylines that even I'm, like, going to not remember. Like, oh, yeah, this one. Um, well, I mean, yeah, and I, I think the thing is, is that, like, like I just said, it's not un- unenjoyable. Like, it's not one of those scenes, and we, we definitely had a few of them in, in season three, where it's, um, they weren't important to the storyline, and they weren't interesting, whereas this is at least one of the two. You know, it's at least yeah. interesting, so I've got to give it that. Um, yeah, so uh, it might tie to something bigger as, as we go along, but, um, yeah, it, it, I think we just enjoy it for what it is, really, in this in this episode. I think the only thing is, I would say, you know, is it time that could have been spent somewhere else in this episode? And I guess that's what we're here to talk about, really. The thing I love about this character, Mitchell, the young guy, uh, played by an actor called Thad Luckenbill. Um, oh. <laughs> you can't make that up. Um, but apparently he's a bit of a... Uh, and I was going to say, he looks like some sort of soap opera actor. 
the Young and the Restless. He's been in over 830 episodes playing the esteemed J.T. Hellstrom. Um, but he does look like, you know, just your generic kind of, you know, wax figure Ken doll looking person who would be in a, a soap opera. Um, yeah, I'd take on that, sure. Yeah. Uh, and then also apparently uh, has been in, I love here on, um, on IMDb, his screen credits include being in all three of the main CSIs as different characters. <laughs> <laughs> so he was in two episodes of two episodes of CSI New York as the same character. Uh, he was in an episode of CSI Miami as one character, and then in, he's been in two separate episodes of the original CSI as two different characters. So <laughs> the essential bit part player, uh, the esteemed Thad Luckenbill. Hmm. Um, I, 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 there's a there's a new name to put on the baby list for any future babies that I will never have. Uh, Thad. Thad. Yeah. Thad. Yeah. I've got to wonder if that's that's some kind of uh, foreign name that uh, that you and I don't understand because yeah, does Luck and Bill also doesn't really sound like a particularly uh, kind of um, generic Anglo-Saxon name either. So yeah, it would be interesting to know wh- what his background is. But this guy could have easily been like one of the Carver's um, victims, couldn't oh, he? Yeah. Kind of like this. This perfectly look looking guy, and yes, yeah, so, I mean he's yeah he you're right he's kind of just this generic good looking guy. Um, he'd, if he was on Survivor, he'd be on the Beauty Tribe, you know that kind of thing. I just I love the fact on IMDb, you know, some great trivia about Thad Nick. He's got an identical twin brother, although he has dyed his hair. Um, he plays what, what's his name like Brad or Trent something? Trent Luckenbill. Um, Trent. Trent. Um, he plays for a celebrity basketball team called the Hollywood Knights. Um, ooh. Right. <laughs> Not that celebrity. Oh, God. They're, oh, hang on. They've got a, he's got, he's married somebody, obviously, from, uh, Young and the Rest. I wouldn't have a clue who she is. But they've called their son Thaddeus Rowe. Um, ah, okay. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Cool. You do you, Thad and Thaddeus. Thad and Thaddeus. There's a comedy coming soon to FX. Anyway, uh, <laughs> enough of Thad. What a name, Thad. You, have you checked out the latest Thad? It involves calling your kids stupid names. Um, <laughs> so, here's our first Matt appearance for season four. Hi, Matt. Um, good to see that you're all recovered from being involved in a, um attempted murder. Um, but, you know, he's, he's looking a bit fit and prim and proper and... He's getting some water out of the fridge, and here comes Julia and Sean, and what have they got for him? They've got a present. Oh, they've got him a gym membership. Uh, (laughs) You know, it's like, oh, thanks, Mum and Dad. I mean, look, I wouldn't turn down a gym membership. I'm not trying to sound, you know, horrible. Um, But, you know, he's kind of, as he says, he's got, like, this setup already going on in the garage, so it's kind of like he doesn't necessarily uh, need it too much. Um... But uh, what makes this scene even better, Nick? What could possibly make just a random scene of, you know, at the McNamara Troy house, well, just the McNamara household? How about Annie? Here she is. <laughs> Two in a row. Yeah, What's and- going on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she's um, she's taped her fingers up. Yes, which, look, i got to say, we said this last week, poor Annie this episode. She's, like, absolutely berated this episode. This poor what, like... Eight, nine-year-old, ten-year-old girl not understanding, like, you know, her future brother's disability. And she's kind of just dealing with it in her own way. I mean, kids do things like this. Don't yell at her. So, yeah, she's wanting the raspberry jelly. She's taped her fingers up, just, you know, curious what it would feel like. Sean yells at her. 
um, drops the glass. Julia then yells at Sean that you overreacted. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this isn't going to be the first time that poor old Annie's going to get yelled at here as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is the, it is the real poor, poor Annie episode, isn't it? And, um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a weird one because it doesn't come across to me at all as if she's making fun of the baby. You know, like, it, it does genuinely come across as, you know, she's just trying to kind of know what this is going to be like and it does seem like everyone just overreacts to her um i, I don't really kind of buy this reaction from everybody it's um it, yeah it's i don't know I, I don't know what you think but it, it does feel like it definitely is a justified poor any moment yeah I'm, I'm with you completely i mean like she legitimately says like i just was curious as to what it would feel like it's not as like she's like haha i'm gonna have a disabled brother like you know this is an emo annie yet so it's kind of just yeah I definitely think it's poor Annie this episode so much. Um, but at least we've got her in two episodes in a row, and she's in next week too, if I'm not mistaken. So three in a row for Annie. This is like setting some records here. Uh, meanwhile, Sean's going to get coffee, and uh, he's staring at this guy who's uh, obviously got a bit of a facial uh, deformity. And I do love the way like Sean's staring at him, and this guy's just like, boo. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. I don't know what's ruder, you know, you staring or, um, yeah. So he basically, I think kind of Sean though, like, is this a dick move by Sean or a nice move by Sean? The way he's kind of staring at him, like, he's my card, come in and have a, you know, consult. I like, I, I don't know if this is like a dick Sean move or a nice Sean move. I think he's just genuinely kind of taken out of the moment. You know, like, I think he, it's not like he's deliberately staring at him. He, he, you know, he is just kind of caught up and, um, and wants to help this kid. Um, yeah. So it, it certainly doesn't feel like this is a, um, a dick move by Sean. It does seem like he does want to help. And I mean, I don't know much about this, um, this condition, but it seems like from the IMDB profile that the, the actor doesn't actually have it. No. It's this treacher Collins syndrome they talk about, but, um, yeah. And, and, you know, the backstory, obviously that this was something that could have been treatable if, if, Something had happened to him, um, you know, if he'd had the treatment early in his life, but but he didn't. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be quite an interesting storyline, and I guess we, we're getting deeper into this, what it's going to be like to live with a disability. And, um, you know, it's quite a nice part of this story because, you know, this is quite a – the show is very glitzy and, um, you know, it, it is superficial. And you know, the other storyline we've got going on here is the stripper who wants her breasts redu- reduced. And it's nice to get into an episode which is really about disability and how – kind of plastic surgery can help or, or maybe not people with disabilities. So I, I do like where the story's taken us, really. Yeah, and props to the makeup, too, because it looks great. Like, I mean, as in, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. It looks realistic, like, as in, yes. yeah, yeah. You, you believe that this is a, an actor who might have this. So, um, yeah, absolutely agree with you. And kind of we get another one of our famous nip-tuck cross scenes here where obviously we're seeing the uh, consult by Sean kind of, uh, you know, talking about what he can do for him and uh, basically saying that he will do it for free. And then uh, also same with um, Christian, with uh, with Thad. I'm not even going to call him Mitchell. I'm just going to call him Thad. Um, and kind of just questioning him, like, you know, oh, you know, when did you know you were gay? Oh, I don't know if I was gay now. Oh, you know, portion this, that, and everything else. It's worth the occasional blowjob. Um, yeah, probably not. Um, but this is where Sean Christian's like, oh, I'll take you out. Like, you know, maybe, maybe you're not gay and all this sort of stuff. So, you know, good old Christian here. Just, is this homophobic Christian? Like, don't be gay. Or is he just kind of looking out for this guy because he clearly knows he's gay for pay? I mean, again, sim- similar question before. Dick Sean, is this homophobic Christian? 
Yeah, it's a weird one. I mean, it, it just feels like he, you know, for whatever reason, he's kind of got this this feeling that he needs to liberate this guy, which, you know, it's a weird thing. Like, yeah, there, there is no real kind of interest um, as to why he should be doing this. Um, I think that that bit goes unresolved. And I guess this is my problem, is that it kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah, um, yeah why, why Christian kind of has a particular interest in this guy is, is yeah it's kind of unknown really so yeah but i you know again we get one of these kind of nip tuck cut scenes you know between the two of them and they're very two very different stories and i like how they kind of handle the the cutting around these two characters really well you know even to the point where kind of their faces have been marked up you know to kind of indicate what's going to happen and they've got similar markings on their face and yeah i do like that kind of symmetry two very very different kind of cases um yeah i think it's well done I agree with you completely. Um, but, uh, you know, Matt, getting a gym membership. Who thought this could be a storyline, Nick? You know, it's kind of like we've got Matt at the gym. Like, you just, this is the thing I think people need to pay attention to now, really in Nip Tuck. Not that it really hasn't already been a thing, but I kind of think they amp this up a little bit more. And we obviously talked about this to John Hensley about kind of, you know, particularly five and six, how crazy things happen for Matt. But, like, at the start of every season, when you've just got your casual storyline with Matt, just kind of doing a normal thing, you know shit's going to go down. And it's kind of like, it's, you know, it's it's literally just not Matt all season getting buff and becoming a bodybuilder. Um, you know, no, it's Matt going to a gym. He's absolutely over the moon at this place. He's loving every minute of it. He's looking it around. He's, wow, this is incredible. It's like he's never been to a gym before. Um, you know, there's music playing everything and all of a sudden we see him checking out a woman. Who could it be? Oh, there she is. It's Kimba. Hello, Kimba. Um, good to have you back. Um, her surgery obviously healed pretty good, didn't it? Like, (laughs) this is a woman who was completely brutalized, uh, what, about five episodes ago? And here she is looking absolutely perfect. Um... But, yeah, so Matt's obviously just having a bit of a conversation, you know, Kimba's line of, oh, look at you, you've grown up, and, uh, you know, you look so wonderful, and it's kind of, you know, oh, what have you been doing, and kind of, you know, it's it's the diet, what is it, and then she sort of uh, starts talking about the tech, uh, which I guess kind of at the time, I didn't think I knew this straight away what it was, I mean, I didn't really know a whole lot about Scientology, uh, except from what's in the media, I guess is probably most of us don't unless we are Scientologists. Um, but, you know, she's obviously kind of planting a few seeds here. Matt's talking about uh, antidepressants, and uh, which obviously Scientology is very much against. Which I actually, one thing I find really interesting, kind of uh, going back a week ago, that Brooke Shields is kind of in this. Uh, and there was, I remember, a huge big famous public spat between uh, Brooke Shields and Tom Cruise because uh, she was, like, talking about, uh, I think, like, postnatal depression, or she was on something, like, some antidepressants or something like that after she'd given birth, and Tom Cruise just, like, ripped into her because, you know, that's, like, a big thing. Anti, you know, Scientologists do not believe in that sort of stuff. So they just kept having a slang and match, like, in the media against each other. So it's kind of interesting that Brooke Shields is sort of involved in Nip Tuck when there's a Scientology storyline. Um, but, yeah, I mean, kind of setting things up here for, for Kimber and Matt... Uh, at the moment, it's pretty innocent, isn't it, uh, Nick? Nothing, nothing's going to happen between these two, is it? Not at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's you know this is actually quite a good moment to kind of um, just stop down and talk about the relationship that maybe Nip Tuck has with religion because we kind of really haven't done a whole lot of it. Like, there's obviously been some some stuff around the Catholic Church and Christian, um, but uh, you, I think it'd be pretty 
easy to say that Ryan Murphy's not a fan of the religion. Um, and this is it's interesting that we kind of go here. Um, I'm just kind of like just doing a little bit of quick Googling. And, um, the you know, this was obviously a thing around this time to basically, you know, Scientology was had kind of become a bit more mainstream. It was it was out there and people were talking about it. And, you know, I think the, the famous kind of trapped in the closet episode of South Park, that was um, – that was November 2005, um, and here we are in, uh, you know, September 2006 um, with this whole thing. Um, I, I can't remember when the whole Tom Cruise couch jumping thing was. It was on five, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, so it's all around the same time that this is kind of, you know, this is really in the spotlight at this time. And, you know, I think now kind of Scientology's kind of gone away again now. It's not something that you kind of hear a lot of people talking about. So this does feel like a, a moment in time that, may feel a little bit out of place as we kind of watch it now. Um, but, you know, it, it's interesting at the same time, it was almost like feeling a bit of an epidemic of, of this kind of Scientology thing going on at the time. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess you'd probably agree with me that Ryan Murphy is, is pretty critical of religion. Um, oh, yeah. You know, to this point in the show, I mean, we certainly haven't seen much more than this than the, the, the Catholic stuff. We, you know, had a few kind of Catholic, obviously, um, the the episode that, Oh, I've forgotten the name of the character now. The um, the very famous episode where Sean finds out about about Matt. Oh, Agatha you know, Rip. That, Agatha Rip. Agatha Rip. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so that's obviously you know a, a big Catholic one. Um, and you know we've we've got the one, still one of my favourite scenes from the whole show, which is in season one around the the Catholic priest who you know comes in and gets his birth the uh, birthmark removed. Um, yeah, so the, you know there's a couple of of really famous incidents in the show around. Catholicism, but I, I don't think we've really, unless I'm forgetting something, we, we haven't really explored anything outside of that, really. Um, and so here we go now with the, you know what ends up being quite a quite a heavy storyline around this Scientology. So it's just interesting that this one was picked up on, and I think it's more that it was a, a, a moment in time more than any kind of specific kind of interest or maybe hatred that Ryan Murphy has for for Scientology particularly. He, I mean, I've, I've, because like a lot of American Horror Story, I mean, there was a whole season based around, um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like a, an asylum, but it was like run by Catholic nuns. Like he's got a lot of religious themes in, um, you know, a lot of his other shows. And he is a Catholic, uh, apparently, still goes to church, apparently, as I'm reading here at least. But, um, I think I read something with him, an interview with him once where he talked a little bit about kind of like his obsession with religion and kind of, you know, doing things around it. But he obviously does a unique take around it and things like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I found it fascinating in the, our chat with John Hensley when he talked about kind of the, the reaction he had, uh, from a Scientologist coming up to him and talking to him about it. Um, so, I mean, I, to be honest with you, I think kind of, the way Scientology is portrayed here at Nip Tuck isn't as bad as I've seen in some other shows. Um, so it's kind of, it's kind of interesting with it. And I mean, you know, it is one of these things that kind of from the outside looking in, it looks a certain way. And I'm sure if you're the inside looking out, it's portrayed a different way. You know, I guess unless you've been involved in the church, you're not really going to know the entire truth. If you know what I mean, it's always going to be stretched, but I'm not, I'm not standing up for it. I'm not, defending it you know what i mean i'm not kind of criticizing it it's kind of you know what it is but yeah i kind of think it's it's unique sort of take on it and kind of how obviously this will play like a huge thing into it and just i think it ultimately comes down to just dear old little matt being so so naive and just kind of saying he's a he's a yes man 
You know, he's just going to say yes and go along with everything, really, at the end of the day. Like, sure, mum, I'll, you know, have a life coach. That won't affect me in any way. Um, you know, oh, hey, blonde girl at school. Sure, I'll, like, come home with you and have sex with you. I'm sure your parents are nice. Um, so, you know, oh, hi, Kim, how are you? Oh, sure, tell me about this religion. Okay. Um, so, yeah, well, um, we get a great scene, though, in this episode around this, but, um... Anyway, so, uh, meanwhile, back at the strip club, Christian's taken old uh, Thad to the strip club, and uh, we see old Blue Monday again, and uh, basically, um, you know, he sort of implies, would you have sex with him? He's like, I'm not a whore. I'll do your tit job for free. Okay. Uh, <laughs> don't really, like, we're talking about maybe not painting Scientology in the best of light. I don't know how he paints old uh, strippers in this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, it's funny to me. Like this, this whole this whole episode is based around Blue Monday having um, excessively large boobs, and you know, I don't, I don't know about you, but they, I mean, they're big. Don't get me wrong, but they're, they're not massive. Am I no. right? Mm, they're not that bad. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Just just remember this episode uh, when we get to uh, season six of yeah. Jenny Jugs. Uh, yes. Yep. <laughs> so now she's got big breasts, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, so I, I kind of love here how Christian obviously himself has to, of course, get a uh, get a lap dance, and we kind of have a bit of a weirdly awkward scene here, do we not? Of like them getting lap dances, and they're kind of looking at each other. And again, I don't kind of know if they're trying to be like Homer because this just kind of reminds me of last season with Quinton like staring at Sean, and Sean got all freaked out. But Christian's all for this. Um, yeah, no, I think like to me, I think that the thing I get out of this with Christian is it, it, it just feels like this is a bit like a challenge to him, you know. Like I think you know that that he can turn this guy, you know, back to being straight. And yeah, so I mean, I, I I don't get the kind of same vibe that I got from the whole Quentin thing. It feels like Christian's just trying to prove a point here. And um, yeah, I mean, and the whole thing where he kind of like you know has the stripper and kind of like bends her over and like leaning on her. It's you know, it's yeah. I mean, I, I certainly don't, I can see how um, I've forgotten his real name too, um, Fad or whatever he's called. <laughs> um, yeah, I can see how he would think that Christian is kind of looking at him like that, but that's not the way I read the scene anyway. I do love his line. I've got a Woody. Um, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. ooh. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I also do like the fact that I'm guessing um, the 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 lady giving Christian a lap dance is not an actress and actually a stripper, because according to IMDb, her name is Rhapsody. Um, so, I mean, at least I hope she is. Otherwise, I've just been incredibly offensive to her. Um, but <laughs> she's credited as a dancer in every single thing she's ever been in. So um, right. she was in. So she's a yeah, well, she's at least she was in CSI as dancer number eight. She was in House as corpse dancer number nineteen. She was in Cold Case as eighties female teen dancer number six. Um, so, um, I'm guessing she's a dancer, whether or not. Yeah, yeah. That... You know, if she's actually a stripper, or I've just been offensive, uh, not meaning to be, but I just her name is listed as Rhapsody. It sounds like a stripper to me. Yes. Yeah. Certainly seems that way. Yeah. Anyway, so, um, we've got the surgery, uh, scene here now, um, for, his name's Alex, isn't it? Um, and it's kind of a, it's almost, it's, it's very gruesome. Like I've always said, I'm not kind of one for the face surgeries and kind of, you know, we've legitimately got his skull being drilled out here and taking a piece of his skull and then putting it like- Yeah, I find that really weird. I mean, so what happens to the back of his head? Like, is he going to have a big hole in the back of his head now forever or does the bone eventually grow over? I don't 
that's something that kind of freaked me out with this. Would they put a metal plate in your skull? I mean, yeah, I'm- I mean, yeah, it, it, it's just, an, I mean, it, it doesn't really matter, but it's just, it's kind of like quite a, as you say, quite a gruesome scene. Um, and that's one of those things I always think about. Well, you know, yeah, you know how they kind of say like people have metal plates in their head. Um, um, yeah, I mean, it is interesting. Actually, I never thought about it that way. Like, it's not like it's going to grow back and he's going to have his bone, his brain exposed. So, um, yeah, that's, that's actually an interesting one. Um, but yeah, I like kind of Liz where she's like, you know, he's expecting Vigo Mortensen's chin. That dates this episode. When was Vigo Mortensen a thing? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Lord of the Rings was was a while ago. He's even, one- even after this, like Lord, Lord of the Rings had had almost been five years ago since this was out. So yeah, yeah. I think he did like a couple of random ones after Lord of the Rings. Wasn't he in like um, not Sahara? That was uh, Matthew McConaughey. He was in some like sand and you know sandals movie or something like that, which I remember. But um, yeah, like he kind of faded out. It's kind of like a Lando Bloom. Like they were big for such a you know short period of time. Lando Bloom probably lasted a little bit longer because his name still gets mentioned every now and then. But um, yeah, I can't remember the last time I even heard Vigo Mortensen's name mentioned. So um, there you go. Our mid two thousands fans remembering uh, good old Vigo, Vigo and Thad. There we go. There's two actors who need to hang out. Um. Just great names. Um, meanwhile, uh, what's better than one Annie scene in an episode of Nip Tuck? How about two Annie scenes in an episode of Nip Tuck? Because he's, he's Annie, she's got a friend. See, like, this is what she does outside. Like, she goes to Epcot on Christmas and she meets friends and they come over to have weird snacks. It's like avocado or something on a plate or something. I don't know what they're eating. But they're playing, like, what is that game? Like as yeah, like string string game elastics yeah. or whatever it's called. Like you and I clearly growing up as girls played that game a lot. I actually do remember yes, people yes. at school playing that game, but I think it's called elastics or something. Um, but you know, good old Annie's got a friend, and she asks her mum to get something from a room, and Julia goes into a room and finds a dolls. Um, to which Annie's kind of chopped all their fingers off, so they're sort of all got deformed fingers like um like uh connor will have and can i just point out that annie does a pretty darn good job like she's pretty smart when it comes to like taping some of these dolls fingers up uh so you know we've had sean go off at poor annie so why not have old julia go off at annie what's this um you know do you think this is funny do you know how difficult this is throw them all out and just kicks poor annie's friend out and poor old annie's getting yelled at again like Come on! She's never in an episode, and when she is, you're yelling at her. You are terrible parents, Sean and Julia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it, and I'm not sure they needed to do this. They kind of like hammer the, the point home in two separate scenes. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm really not sure why it's so necessary. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is the real poor anything. I'm not really sure there's too much more to say other than, yeah, you do, you do feel sorry for her. Oh, I just feel terribly sorry for her. She's just getting screamed at. Um, you know, just like the poor thing. Like, this is, this is why when we get to our flash forward episode this season, why it's just so funny the way they kind of do this with her. But yeah, poor old Annie skulked off to her room. She's got to throw her beloved dollies out. Um, hopefully they buy some new Barbies or something like that. Um, so anyway, we now have this scene, which is kind of like, we, we talked a little bit about how sort of they kind of gel over the whole thing with Matt at the end of last season and kind of it's not really meant. I mean, this is kind of the scene, I guess, where we get the explanation. I think this is the one I mentioned a few times about, like, oh, isn't it randomly mentioned that um, Ariel's dad didn't die? And this is kind of the scene. So we've got this weird little tech machine thing 
Um, and then basically, uh, something to do with a, a needle floating or something. I don't know. Uh, and then basically Sean just opens up about the accident, um, talks about it and kind of, yeah, we learn that, uh, you can write to him at courtesy of the Florida prison system. So he's alive. Um, and then kind of, I like Matt's sort of thing here where he's saying, oh, I let my dick choose a pretty girl, you know, and like, I never had a choice. And all these kind of things. I mean, this this whole scene just sums up Matt in Nip Tuck to me. Um, and then, uh, obviously, kind of when he was saying about having the choice, that basically that's when Kim is all like, look, it's floating. There you go. We're no longer doing this. Um, and, yeah. I mean, uh, before I kind of... I, I think, okay, we could probably lump this into the next scene where, obviously, he uh, goes to Sean and Christian and says, I want to get off the antidepressants. New religion. I need some money. Scientology, Christian rightfully goes off, and, um, yeah, he's old little naive Matt just wanting to get involved, uh, and then obviously he drops, uh, the line that, uh, yeah, Kimber is there, uh, saved Kimber's life, and then obviously the, the look on, uh, Christian's face, I just want to kind of cap it here before we get to the scene after this, because I think that scene needs to be talked about separately, but, um, yeah, I mean, kind of, this is, from one setup to the other for poor old man, I guess we kind of get a bit of a resolution to what happened at the end of season three, even though, again, from this point on, I believe it's never talked about again. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, no, I, it is really good. And I, I, the best part of this whole thing, I guess, is, well, there's two things. That, you know, I love Christian's reaction when he kind of, you know, throws out the word Scientology and he kind of just, like, stands up. He's like, you're out of your mind, you know. It's really good because that's kind of what you would expect somebody to do. Um but yeah, the other thing too is I like that we do get the, which I'd forgotten about obviously when we were talking about it last season, is that we do kind of get a little bit of resolution as to what happened, um, you know, at, at the end of, of season three to Matt with that whole situation with Ariel's dad. So I'm pleased we got that, um, even if it was a little bit truncated. So yeah, I mean, I think this is, um, this stuff's all just, a lot of it kind of just, it's there to kind of set you up as to what we're going to get with Matt over the, the course of the season, I suppose. But, you know, it's all good set up. I think it's all well done. Um, and I like, you know, the, the dropping of, of Kimber, um, which obviously kind of moves us into, you know, Christian kind of like bashing her door down, which is pretty cool. And I'll just say too that it's kind of, it's, it's rare sort of moving forward from this point that we ever kind of get, you know, like we had that great scene at the end of last season with Matt and Christian, sort of a bonding moment. Um, and just kind of with everything that happens with Matt this time forth, it's just so rare to kind of ever have Matt on good terms with Christian and Sean. Um, so just just remember, I mean, they're not necessarily on good terms here in, in many ways. I guess Matt's just kind of at least going to them and asking at least. But uh, just remember the fact that, you know, the good times between all these three, not really that common from this point on. Um, yeah, I love this next scene. Like, you know, I mean, I know we're very early days when it comes to talking about top five moments. But, I mean, you know, I'm just potential nominee he's i reckon this won't make it but um yeah so christian shows up to kimber's house uh, i'm gonna assume this is probably the first time they've maybe seen each other since kind of you know she basically said she didn't want to get back with him in season three um and then kind of just you know the way he's like at the door like remember me and then she just locks the door on him and then boom he just kicks it in like holy crap like when christian gets pissed he gets pissed um, but yeah, I just love the fact that he just like absolutely goes there and sort of like going after about, you know, um, Matt and, you know, kind of, you know, when he's like saying, like, oh, what are you going to do? Put him in one of your movies, you know, like, oh, what are you into now? Kitty porn? Matt's almost 18. Um, 
And just, like, so good. Like, Julian McMahon, just so angry here. But then I just kind of like the way he quickly, like, changes. Like, there's that just one moment where kind of he's all, like, you know, sweet and kind of like, you know, oh, let's, um, you know, let's give it another chance. And it's kind of like, no, you know, you're a hypocrite. And it's like, oh, well, you're an ambitious piece of ass. Um, and then he kind of says, you know, like, you know, I loved you and you never saw... I just, I don't know. I just love this scene. I just think it's so amazing. Just, it just sells this episode to me. And just, again, this, I think surely can at least be sort of at least in the conversation for a top five moment of this season. Oh, no, I think it definitely should be. Um, this is funny because last season I was waiting for, um, a specific line from Christian, which is one I always remember from the show, but for whatever reason, I had assumed it was said to Ava. Um, and so when it wasn't, I was very confused. And, and this is it. This is the scene where it kind of happens. And, and it's the, you know, the one where he kind of says to her, you know, basically, if, if, you know, if you, if you hurt Matt, then there's nowhere on earth that will keep you safe from me. And I just, I love the way that line's delivered. I think it's, you know, it's, a, it's the right level of menace and, 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 you know, you are kind of, it's scary, you know, because you're right, he does kind of turn. Um, and, you know, I, I just, I really like it. And I, I think probably one of the things that I struggle with a little bit on the show is the kind of violence towards women, which is something I had kind of not really realized. Um, but I think this is something that we need to really just accept with both Christian and Sean is that they are quite violent guys. Like, not like they're going to punch a woman, a but they'll they'll manhandle you know uh, yeah. and it's something i had kind of forgotten and i'm not sure if the show was was running now in 2017 that you would get away with the way these guys behave i think it's not acceptable anymore whereas i think maybe 12 years ago even this kind of level of rough manhandling was okay on tv whereas these days i don't think it would be it's, it's just a really interesting kind of change in culture that I'm, I'm kind of seeing you know from kind of 11 years ago or whatever it might be um yeah so i i, I mean th- to me that's really interesting but yeah like i say that line is amazing um, I think it's really, really good, and yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely expecting that we'll be talking about this um, at the end of the season as, as one of the better ones. And you know, for me, this show really sparkles when you get this great dialogue scenes between the two of them, and and just basically every line that kind of comes out here between the two of them is amazing. Um, you know, there's not one bad line in this whole thing, and, and that's pretty amazing. You know, that you can kind of get these things, and you know, I just think that you know, just just yeah, everything that they're saying is really pretty amazing, and. Um, you know, what, one of the other lines that we could have used at the start, you know, about, uh, you know, I made you see God every time you came and, you know, just things like that. It's, it is really good. Common line girls say to me, let's be honest. Um, but um, it's, I, I'd love, I, poor old Christian's getting a lot of bills because I love the way he says, like, you can bill me for the door. And he said that to, what, yeah. Matt last season or whatever. Like, you can bill me for the con, like, I don't know, like, poor old Christian's just going to come home one day. There's going to be like a stack of bills on the table for him ready to go. Um, but... Anyway, so uh, we've meanwhile got old Blue Monday on the table, uh, not on the books. Michelle comes in and kind of uh, goes off at him for it. I love Sean. We agree. No more blowjobs for boob jobs. Um, <laughs> I just love that line. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, it's just kind of, you know, a bit of a scene here talking about it. And then, uh, obviously, we've got... Um, uh, Sean is looking up um, the the condition for his son, um, ready to go. Um, and yeah, he this is because he he comes in, doesn't he? he? He gets called in for Michelle and uh, Christian going off at each other, essentially. Um, and you know, she's obviously this is kind of like the, the lay the smackdown, isn't it, from Michelle? Like we own this now. Like that's our name on this practice. You know, you've got to put this past us. 
Um, so, uh, and then kind of, I love uh, Christian's line. Thanks for backing me up, partner. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of just like, it's kind of really in there only, isn't it? Just for, you know, let's, let's see the status quo here. We own you now, basically, Michelle and Bert. Yeah, and I think that line's really good as well. It's kind of it's another one that's just well delivered. It's a a real kind of Christian line, you know. The thanks for backing me up, partner. Like it, it, it's just a quick line, but it's the way it's delivered is just really, really in in character for Christian. So it, it's kind of these little things that I'm just glad we're getting back to after everything in season three. You know, this is just just the dialogue is just really, really good without trying hard to be good. It's just you know the characters are just making it happen. Yeah. Uh, what's better? So where than- do you come down before, before we kind of come down on this? Like, I mean, where, where, where do you kind of like this whole thing about Christian trying to pass us off as pro bono? Um, I mean, where do you kind of like? I mean, is it is it complete bullshit, or is there at least a little bit of you? It's like, oh, he's got he's got a fair case, you know, like, um, you know, compared to the guy that Sean's working on. Um, I mean, look. In all fairness, it's just I guess different. Um, perceptions of the industries like i mean one's a barista which is a respected profession the other she's a stripper which is a looked down upon profession and there are plenty of women and men who actively seek out being a stripper as a living so why should it be looked down upon if this is affecting their career choice um so yeah i think there is an argument for it Uh, i think in this case though it's probably not because we know what Christian's done to get this. Um, but I mean, you know, like, I, I mean, I've seen plenty of kind of documentaries and shows about kind of, you know, women uh, and men who have gone into this industry. Like, that's been their dream. They wanted to become a stripper. And who are we to judge? You know, if they want to do it, then let them do it. So, um, yeah, where, where about, what about you? Where do you stand on this? Well, I mean, it at least makes you stop and pause and think, oh, yeah, maybe, you know, like it's not an immediate, suddenly you just, you know, discount that completely. So, you know, I, I give it to the, the writers and, and um, you know, the actors that they kind of sell that moment that you do actually kind of at least pause and think, oh, okay, well, he might have a case there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, now, what's better than two Annie scenes in an episode, Nick? How about three Annie scenes in an episode? <laughs> Holy crap! Yeah. Like, season yeah, four yeah, is yeah, brilliant. Yeah. You can see why I love this season so much. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, here she is again. Um, and this is this is like the payoff scene, because we've had Sean yell at her, we've had Julia yell at her, so let's have Annie now getting a chance to yell at everyone. <laughs> She's like, Matt, can you ask Mum to pass the ketchup? And it's like, oh, will you stop being, you know, so childish about this? And basically, poor old Annie gets yelled at again, and sent to a room, not before she stands up and has a, you're the reason why the baby's deformed, and then walks off. I shouldn't be laughing at this scene. It's a horrible line, but I just love the fact that he's old Annie standing up for herself, and Julia's just shell-shocked. Just a look on her face. She's like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, no, it's well done. That kind of sets you up for where we're kind of going next. Um, y- yeah. I mean, I, I just like because this whole thing is about, you know, kind of placing blame for for the baby's disability and you know sometimes you just need the kid to kind of say the thing that's kind of on julia's mind and yeah so i, I mean it's, it's a good scene in that regards but yeah i mean anytime you get annie um fighting back and being grumpy i mean she's sean's kid after all so she's gonna snap and, and be angry that's just how it goes one thing I've got to say about Julia quickly, because uh, I'll probably forget to mention this in a couple of episodes when I think it's really noticeable. Um, you can really notice them making her look tired um, and kind of just like, you know, I don't say motherly. I don't know if that's 
politically correct, but, like, particularly when Connor is born, like, she looks tired. She looks worn out. And I think that just, I don't know if you kind of pick up on that, but, like, even in this scene, she really does. And they've, like, changed her hair a little bit. It's a bit like, you know, it's got a bit of a wave to it now. She's not as, I guess, professional-looking as she was in season three. Um, but, like, I think it really works and kind of, I will say at least for the first part of this season, like, Julia has kind of gone back to me sort of liking her. I kind of, you know, am actually not on an anti-Julia page anymore. And um, I actually think that when, this is, probably sounds really weird, but when we kind of get these episodes coming up uh, with her sort of looking a bit disheveled, I think she looks maybe the, the most attractive she's looked in this entire show. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is, but there's something glowing about her. She's a mother, a new mother, so maybe that's what it is. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Am I just am I the only one noticing this? <laughs> uh, no, you're not. I definitely notice that as well. So, um yeah, there there is different. They have kind of made her up to look different. Um, yeah, and I think they've done a good job. It's kind of the subtle things they do on the show that I like really well, and um, this is kind of one of them. I think the show doesn't probably get enough credit for the way the actors are, are you know, made up or dressed or whatever to kind of give a, give a kind of mood or or an emotion to the characters, which I really like. It is really just a, a subtle little thing that they do really well. The subtle little thing here, including Matt's vest. Um, I don't know if you noticed Matt's vest in this scene. Uh, we didn't talk. It's, it's, a, bit, it's a, bit, a little bit Han Solo-ish, isn't it? Yeah, but, like, I, I kind of get a vibe, and I wish kind of when we spoke to John Hensley, we, you know, I think we kind of touched on too much about his relationship with Jolly Richardson, which, you know, you could tell there wasn't exactly the most uh, happiest ending of a relationship there. But um, I would have actually liked to know specifically around about what time that ended because I don't know if about you, but I kind of feel that even in this scene between these two, and maybe I'm just looking at it differently because I've sort of heard what John Hensley said about this, it just it kind of feels like there's a bit of something here that, like, there's a bit of tension. I don't know. I'm just reading probably too much into it. Um, but, you know, it's obviously Matt sort of talking a little bit here about Scientology, about how it's really working. But, again, I don't know if you notice any of that. I can't say that I did, but, um, uh, you know, I think I think any scene that we watch now is going to be kind of coloured with, I wonder where the, what the state of the relationship was at the time. They yell cut, and they're like, fuck you! Um, something like that. But um, meanwhile, back at uh, McNamara Troy, and um, Sean essentially apologises, you know, should have backed you up. Um, you know, I'm under a lot of stress with everything. And this is obviously where they're like, you know, what are we going to do about Matt? Uh, let's cut him off financially, have a united front here. Um, kind of uh, that's going to set up what we're going to get with Matt. Meanwhile, uh, we haven't had um, Julie McMahon's ass in this episode yet. So, uh, cut to Julian McMahon's uh, untanned, untanned ass, um, pointed out by Nick last episode. <laughs> Still untanned, is it this episode, Nick? <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, I guess so. A little I'm bit. looking at um, it now. I'm going to be honest with you. There's a big tan line there. It's very white. <laughs> well, it happens. I mean, he, you know, he's a busy doctor. He doesn't have time for, for nude sunbathing. <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, so he's got in his great shower, um, but, uh, no, there's a knock on the door. Who's this? Uh, oh, it's Thad. It's TV's Thad. Here he is. Uh, and apparently he's been found out by his lover that he was with a stripper. He's got nowhere to stay, nowhere to go. Can you help me out, man? So... Christian, of course, answering the door in a towel. God, I wish I had a body where I was comfortable answering the door in a towel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I do it that scares people off. Um, like, no, okay, I don't want to sell you about Jesus. Bye. Uh, <laughs> but, 
here he is um, at the door, and uh, basically he offers uh, Thad some money and uh, says, I'm going to call up the hotel. Of course, Christian has a hotel that he talks to and he knows. Um, so, meanwhile, Thad's, oh, can I use your bathroom? And uh, five seconds later, he walks out completely buck naked. Get to see Thad's ass. Oh, it's a very manly ass episode. Do we ever get to see a girl's ass in this show that's not in a G-string? I don't think we do. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of man ass in this. It's, it's, they probably get away with it ratings-wise. Yeah, I mean, there's a difference with a man's ass or something. But uh, so he comes out naked and... Um, yeah, he's basically, you know, I like to work for my money. Um, and then after Christian, how would you like the best blowjob that you've ever had? Um, to which, yeah, Christian, talking about violent Christian, like letting out some pent-out rage here, didn't do this to Kimber, punches poor Thad and kicks him out uh, before I break your skull. Um, so, yeah, super violent Christian here. Oh, I can't say I blame him in this situation. You know, I think we might all react <laughs> react in a similar situation when something like this happens. So um, I can't say that I'm um, I, I'm totally um, against Christian in this one. You know, somebody's come into – he is in his own home. So, yeah, I mean, um, never never condoning violence, of course, but um, I can understand it in this situation. I do like the bit when um, Thad leaves and they kind of – got angry Christian sort of like – uh, you know, uh, walking back and forth in his house, and then you kind of get that really obvious shot of the cock statue. <laughs> I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but it's just kind of it's just so obviously there. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of interesting that way. Um, so anyway, we we back to Sean, and he's uh, talking here to Alex again, saying that oh, we're going to do some more procedures for you, um, but it could take three to four years, and. Um, Basically, Alex's like, no, it's fine. I'm used to this level of ugly, um, you know, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's a little bit sad, I guess. I'm not sad. I don't know. How would you describe this? I don't want to say sad. That's probably not a nice thing to say because I'm sure that, like, if people live with conditions like this, that I guess, yeah, as he says, like, I'm used to this. Like, you just, you're used to it. So, um, and it kind of goes back to last episode um, with the woman with the hands, how she said it's kind of like it's society's issue with me, not me with, you know, because it's like people look at me a certain way. And like, as you kind of alluded to, this is what this season does well, kind of just, you know, referencing kind of things like this when it comes to, um, you know, disabled people or kind of people with deformities and things like that, how, yeah, they're going to get stared at, they're going to get people looking at them, but, you know, why do we look at them funnily? Because they're not, they don't, quote, look normal. I mean, what is normal? So, um, yeah, I mean, it kind of, I think it's a, it's an interesting scene. I think it is really good, and I think it kind of, you, you know, it, it tells us something really interesting because I, I guess Sean is kind of, you know, the way he's dealing with the, the situation with Connor is that this can be solved, you know. It's a, and, uh, you know, there's probably some, some psychologists or some, some lounge, lounge psychologists anyway who might suggest that that's, that's how men deal with these things is that they, um, they want to solve a problem. Um, and, you know, I, I, I guess this is, you know, kind of just saying that it's actually, you know, not not every disability or, you know, if somebody's not perfect, that doesn't mean that they need to be fixed. You know, you can actually live with imperfections, and um, which kind of goes contrary to the whole plastic surgery thing. So this is why I, find, I actually find this stuff really, really interesting. And I think it's well done. Um, you know, it, 
it'd be interesting to see how Sean changes over the, the course of the season and if he changes. You know, that, to me, that's going to be the interesting thing to follow. Um, you know, is, is, is Sean learning something here that not everybody needs to be perfect and um, especially his son doesn't need to be perfect? Um, so, yeah, that, that's going to be interesting to follow and I think this character is a, is a good way of getting into that story. What I think's done really well this season too is um, we get an episode kind of around sean's childhood which has i mean if you actually think about it to this point we haven't had it really explored we've had christians explored but we just don't really know anything about you know sean pre-college before christian um so we will get an episode around that and it's kind of interesting how kind of he can relate to what's happening with his you know soon-to-be son about kind of you know his own issues growing up so um I used to really not like that episode because I kind of thought it felt forced, but I actually kind of have come around a lot on that episode. So, um, yeah, that's uh, the eighth episode, Connor McNamara. So we're still a little bit away from that, but um, yeah, it's it's a it's a good episode, uh, kind of just on Sean's background, which kind of as you were just saying there, kind of touches on that. Um, so then we kind of got this scene. We're gonna we're gonna sort of meet. Um, well, sort of our big bad for the season, if I can give a slight spoiler. Because she kind of is, but she kind of isn't. Um, and it's Jacqueline Bissett, the esteemed Jacqueline Bissett, Golden Globe winner, Jacqueline Bissett, who I think, like, you know, around this time, uh, she's uh, 62, if I'm doing my maths here correctly. Uh, very attractive woman for a 62-year-old. Just going to say that. Um, sure, sure. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll go with you there. With a trench coat and gold chain around her neck. Um, but she, yeah, approaches Michelle in the car park and Michelle's all kind of like, you know, oh, you know, I thought we were done kind of, you know, she's like talking about, oh, nice little setup you've got here. And, um, Michelle gives her some money, but, uh, you know, the big scene here, of course, is, uh, dear old, uh, Jacqueline Bissett fondles Michelle, touches a boob and kisses her. But, um, of course, at the same time, uh, dear old Liz happens to be walking out and sees this happen. Uh, so, ooh, what's going on here? But, I mean, I, I kind of, I just think this is a great setup because, again, this is really one of those, like, oh, shit, like, what's going on here? Like, you have no idea. Like, because, you know, we know she's married um, and kind of, you know, uh, an owner and kind of putting off Christian's advances. So why is she off here getting fondled by uh, Jacqueline Bissett? Yeah, it's a weird little mystery, um, and it kind of sets up. Yeah, like you say, she's going to be somewhat of the villain um, in this this season. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an interesting mystery. I think probably the show drops the ball a little bit and not extending out that mystery. You kind of find out what's behind it pretty quickly, um, and whether or not that's a good thing, I'm, I'm not sure. But um, I, yeah, I do. I do think that they do reveal that mystery pretty quickly. But you know, for the time being, it is it is interesting. It's, it's an interesting little button to kind of not end this episode on, but, um, you know, to kind of um, leave us hanging for next week, I guess. We get uh, Sean and uh, Julia and uh, Christian having an argument. Uh, Julia's given the money to Matt, um, and then kind of, as they say, sort of like he was going to get it uh, anyway, no matter what. Um, and then kind of uh, Sean almost sides here with Julia, leads Christian to storm off, you know, talking about their special needs boy. And I love how, is it Julia, uh, Christian who says... Uh, Matt's got special needs too. Um, I think it's, uh, Matt who's, uh, Christian who says that. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of, it's an interesting sort of thing here to admit that, you know, he's going to get that money, I guess, as we said, um, that, uh, you know, like no matter what. And 
kind of we obviously get the the bit here where Julia has uh, decided we're going to call it uh, Connor, a uh, good strong name like his father. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of just a nice little closing scene to have this and kind of we've got to have um, Julia and Sean. They haven't really been in much this episode together, have they? Except at the beginning with Matt. So, yeah. Well, I think this is interesting too because we get into this um, this situation which we probably haven't done for a little while of this kind of um, this power dynamic between the three of them and that, you know, Sean and Christian go in like they're going to team up on Julia and pretty quickly Julia without even trying kind of turns it around so that it's, her and Sean against Christian, and yes, Christian ends up kind of storming out. So yeah, I, I do like that we're kind of getting that power dynamic, um, you know, and kind of Sean sitting in the balance, which is which is fun. I, you know, I do like it when these guys are all up against each other, and yeah, so it, it's good stuff. Kind of don't get this scene at the end. I think it could have really ended at that bit, but we've got this closing scene here at the end, I guess, with Christian and uh, her new name now is Ashley Wednesday uh, with a smaller <laughs> boobs. Um, and again, like, just the timeline here in Nip Tuck, like, how quickly does it take to recover from breast reduction, uh, and then still being able to strip? Like, okay. Um, but we just kind of, you know, uh, what did she say? Like, oh, want me to touch myself? Sure, whatever. Um, and then just kind of Christian just, uh, yeah, looking off and not looking too happy at the end. So, I don't know. I feel they should have just ended it with the, the Julia and Sean stuff, to be honest. I mean, I, I do like this because it, it is kind of just reminding you that Christian's been through some shit. And I, I do like it that, you know, this is a reminder that it, that it is season four. It's not the start. And we are, we do have a continuation of this character who's been through a lot. And, you know, he's basically seen that, you know, everything that his partner's been through, he's kind of back where he started with his wife. Whereas Christian's kind of just, you know, things have just gotten worse and worse for him. So I do like that it's careful. And, it, it, you know, it does kind of talk to the fact that, um, you know, life's pretty shitty for Christian at times and he's kind of not, not going anywhere and he's been through some stuff. and So I do like that. I think I think it's good. Well, that's Blue Monday. Um, how does it feel? Do you, do you like the song Blue Monday? Do you even know the song I'm talking about? Or No, nah, not really. It's uh, no. Classic 80s song. Absolutely brilliant song by New Order. Um, great cover version done by a band called Orgy. Kind of turned into a bit of a rock version. Uh, Kylie Minogue mixed it in with um, uh, Can't Get You Out of My Head. Just a great song, Blue Monday. Goes, like, the actually original song goes like eight minutes. It's on the Wedding Singer soundtrack if you're familiar with the Wedding Singer. But um, I reckon if you looked it up, you'd know it. If you started hearing it, you would like, oh, that song. Um, one, right. of my, one of my favourite 80s songs, but uh, this is the stripper, not the song. Anyway, uh, so let's get to the review section. Uh, after starting off last week with a green and a buy, uh, what are we doing this week, Nick? Well, it's a hard one. I mean, I kind of came in thinking this was a pretty solid rent. You know, like it's a good episode. There's nothing kind of world shattering about it. Um, but having said that, we've kind of talked about a couple of like really, really good scenes um, that are in this, which kind of makes me want to nudge it up. So um, maybe I'm overselling it. Maybe it's because we're at the start of a new season and, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to be optimistic. But I am actually going to give this a buy because I think there is some cool stuff in it. And I always think, like, if you just wanted to, you know, chuck an episode in to pass some time and, you, you know, this would be a fun one to watch. I think there's some, some cool stuff in it. Um, yeah, like I say, I think there's a little bit of frivolous stuff in it, but um, it doesn't really distract from, from the overall experience of watching the episode. So yeah, it's a buy for me. It's probably one of the weaker buys, but it, it is still definitely a buy. 
I'm definitely buying it. I think it's thoroughly worth the buy. Uh, I just think it's, yeah, I agree with you. It's kind of one you can just pop, pop in and watch and it's entertaining. It's got the great scene, obviously, with um, Kimber and, and Christian. You know, good setup here for Matt. Good setup with uh, Jacqueline Bissett and Michelle uh, and kind of obviously, you know, three Annie scenes as well. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I fucking love it. I just, yeah, it's such a good episode. Uh, you know, yeah, maybe not sort of the highest of the buy, but I still love this a lot more. Uh, then maybe a couple of the buys I had in season three. So, um, yeah, that's actually... Yeah, well, I think probably, if I'm just going to jump in, I'd say probably for me, um, these episodes, if the, if I'm going to consider a buy, they have to probably push the story forwards at least a little bit, um, and they need to be entertaining. Um, one without the other is probably not going to be enough, and I think this one, there isn't a lot of pushing the story forwards, but there's enough, um, and it's definitely entertaining. There's huge, huge amounts of this. It's just fun watching. So, yeah, I mean, that's probably what my criteria kind of looks like, and that kind of sounds like what you're saying as yeah. well. No, I'd agree. I'd completely agree with that. And um, that actually is interesting, because this is the very first time on our Nip Tuck coverage that I've uh, bought four in a row. My previous streak was three in a row, but now I've gone four in a row. I've equaled your streak. You've got the streak of four in a row that you held uh, season two between uh, episodes six and nine. So there's a little stat for you, Nick, um, wow. when it comes to our coverage of these shows. So four in a row equal the most when it comes to Nip Tuck. Um, and I honestly think next week is going to continue for me because uh, we've got Monica Wilder next week. Uh, this episode's got everything. I mean, this has got some great funny stuff. It's got some really serious stuff. Um, it's got one scene that I just remember all the time. It's just, I, it's, it might be a top five scene, but it's just kind of, it's just a random scene that I always remember. Um, and just, yeah, we've got Mario Lopez, naked Mario Lopez in the next episode. Sure. Um, it's, yeah, it's a great episode. And of course, we also have our first introduction to the esteemed Peter Dinklage in the next episode too. So, um, yeah, Monica Wilder, it's a great episode. Yeah, it is. I think it, it's a fun episode, and um, even the uh, the title character is one that I quite enjoy. That little story Same. arc, it, it, it's um, it, it kind of ends in a bit of a funny, weird way, which I'll be I'll be interested to talk about when we get there. But it starts and with a lot of fun too. So, yep, I think there's definitely lots to talk about next week too. She's involved in one of my favourite scenes in the entire six seasons of this show, which uh, we're it's in the fourth episode actually, which. I really will hope that I can sell you on making it a top five moment of this season. Um, but yeah, uh, I look forward to talking about that. But yeah, I look forward to talking about next uh, episode as well. Uh, in the meantime, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and send us some messages if you want to chat about Nip Tuck. We'd love to hear from you and kind of your thoughts on the show and uh, anything else that we maybe have discussed that you'd like to give your opinion on or anything that we've missed that you'd like to point out or just anything in general because we hope you're enjoying watching Nip Tuck with us as much as we're enjoying bringing these episodes to you. But until next week, my name is Ben and I've got to go because I'm getting a woody. <laughs> and uh, my name's Nick and everything I need to know about you is bouncing around in front of my face. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net. <laughs>